Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome to Cinnabuds, everybody. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I am Justin Barney from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. We're going to be talking about all of the Academy Award winning films of the 1930s. Ha-cha-cha! The Academy Award winning pictures of the 1930s. You got to do it in like the, the jazz voice. Grab your gats! <laughs> the thing that frustrates me about this is that I have seen none of these movies and oh, yeah, you have seen all of them? All of them, yeah, in the past. And I don't like this dynamic, Justin. It's not, <laughs> this is the ugly face of K. Polly. I don't like where I haven't seen them and you have. It makes me feel uh, weak and, right, and, and vulnerable. Right, but I was in your place. And I feel like part of me doing this is so that you don't have to. I made this list. I wrote it out because I don't know why right. I wrote it out because it's on the internet but i wrote it out just so i could have make notes and i realized that the 1930s uh because i love like old hollywood so much for the 1930s is a real blind spot for me yeah um and it you know going through this it was really interesting because i'm going to be able to give you uh, like the ebb and flow of the whole thing and yeah. uh, having and like watching them in succession it really it has really like given me like a perspective on the whole thing and uh, uh that has been super interesting so there are like there are big hits there are big misses there are like directors that come through and actors that yeah. come through so, i want to talk about more of that when we do in the podcast portion but uh what are some of the – do you want to do highlights of the 30s or do you just want to dig in on the first two couple? Let's do it this way. Since we're doing the Academy Award winning pictures of the 1930s, yeah. um, the the first Academy Awards were given in 1928 and 1929. So – and they were, they were kind of split. So let's – in this section, let's do the first two and then we'll get into the 1930s. Let's just throw away the 20s real quick. Let's just, yeah. Let's just, let's just breeze through the 20s. Then we'll, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So the first the, – the first winner of the Academy Award for Best Picture was in 1928, 1929. The movie is Wings. It has the prestigious award of being the first movie to win the Academy Award. Starring Paul McCartney. Is that correct? (laughs) I I wish. (laughs) Um, Wings is not a great movie. Uh, (laughs) Wings is the equivalent of a guitar solo of a movie. It is a movie that is about airplanes and about World War I fighters. And at the time, it must have been mind-blowing. It, mu- it was like, it's the like equivalent of like having the, the biggest, you know, the biggest explosions and the, the wildest uh, special effects yeah. because so much of this movie was filmed on airplanes. And can you imagine a camera? Like we have GoPros and stuff. Yeah. Like, can, can you imagine like a, a camera in 1928 strapped to an airplane following another airplane to get a shot? I mean, it's like, this is, is, this that, is, what, one that, was is like, that what it looked like? Is that what it looked like they actually did it? 
Yes. I mean, that's impressive for 19. It was impressive. And hmm. that and that that is like that's kind of like in some of these you kind of see like why they gave it. Yeah. And it's like for this, it's like it must have it's just so ambitious. It must have cost so much money. Uh technically it is a incredibly difficult film and it must have really like pushed um filmmaking to be like let's let's go big let's have a big budget and let's like really try as far as a plot line not much going on here uh when we come back from the break we're going to talk more about the rest of the academy award-winning films of the 30s um stick around Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back. That's me being Justin Barney. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right. We need more movies from the 30s. Right. So uh, 1929 slash 1930. The second winner of the uh, Academy Award is a movie called The Broadway Melody. Oh, bring a crown to all Broadway. Not a crown on Broadway. Your troubles uh, the Broadway Melody. Have you ever heard of this movie, K-Pop? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those big, flashy dance number throughout. Kind of. You no? know, it's like, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be, too. Oh. I was like, okay, this is the 30s. It's basically when they were like, you know, what is a show? What is a movie? What is theater? Broadway. Yeah. And so they were like, let's just film Broadway. Right. And that that's kind of what this is. It's, it's basically, it's like two girls from a... You know, from a town in the Midwest, go to New York to try to make it big. Yeah. And they, like, go to their cousin or their uncle or something like that to try to get them into Broadway. And you kind of, like, see, like, how easy it was or, like, you know, you just had to, like, walk on set. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure, you know, it wasn't like that, just like it isn't today. Um, and there is it's, – it's basically – it is just, like, this Broadway is where things happen. Let's – that's where shows happen that's where things are like interesting. Let's do it there. And this, uh, this was this was not a great movie. Um, and I like it. You know, a lot of these movies, it's just like a love story. And this was, and love stories in the nineteen twenties and thirties are very different from yeah. love stories now. So it was it was just like kind of trying to be a lot of things and was was really. Yeah, I will say the first two movies you did not care for. You, but in my mind, you have sold them to me. I'm okay. Good. <laughs> I'm excited hey, I, to dig in. Yeah, I'm not saying don't watch them. Uh, just like kind of from an objective standpoint, it, yeah, they like don't hold up super well. Um, but then in 1930 slash 1931, we get kind of what I think is um is I mean was the was the first one that I left being like wow that was great. Christopher, have you ever seen All Quiet on the Western Front or have you read the book? I have. N- I've done neither. Have you thought that you know what they're about comfortably enough to maybe slide it in a conversation 
saying that you did. No, but it makes me think that maybe you did. I don't know. I feel like All Quiet on the Western Front is it's one of those where it's like, you know, it's about war. You know, it's uh, kind of like anti-war. And I if, if feel like I've it's it's in it's in the zeitgeist enough. It's like in, it has enough. Uh, yeah. historical thrust that you kind of feel like you don't have to see it. Right. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front was very good. Oh, great. All of, all of these are excruciatingly long. Oh, I, can, yeah. I, I cannot tell you how long all of them are. I remember watching the first couple and being like, these are, okay, two hours and 15 minutes, two and a half hours. Yeah. And they are... There is not a movie in the 1930s that is under two hours long. You know, I grew up in the 30s, as we all know. <laughs> and what I can, what I've deduced is that uh, when you don't have television or tele- telephone or uh, the internet on your telephone, um, who cares? Two and a half hours? Give me five hours. I got time. <laughs> I got time. Very, very true. Um, and but that, it's not. That's not. Um, unusual for an Academy Award-winning Best Picture. I, I started kind of like doing these projects because I watched Midnight Cowboy and French Connection, which were the Academy Award-winning Best Picture of the 1970s. And so I was like, well, let's watch all the ones that I haven't seen from the 70s. And then I did the 80s and then I did the 90s. Um, and in all of those movies, it just felt like they gave the award to the longest movie of the year. It, you know what? That's not uncommon. Yeah, it's um, it's an epic. I think the Hollywood appreciates the time that people put into making these epic, long, you know, dramatic films. For sure. And that's definitely a theme of the 1930s yeah. is like we're giving it to epics. These are movies that kind of like think of themselves as epics or like our stories. There's a lot of these that are like, they span decades. Right. Um, and so a lot of them are very long. All Quiet on the Western Front though was very good. It's, it was weird because it was like set in Germany and all the, like all the people are German, but they speak in very much American accents, sure. like oh, yeah. New York accents. Yeah, I re- I the, I don't I feel like it was very recently when people even tried comparatively recently people tried to go yeah I guess we should learn a German accent yeah or or even having it in German you know that's like they're in oh, yeah. they're in Germany but um it is an anti-war movie it really tells of like the ravages of World War One it really like breaks down the chest puffy uh glory and romance of war it it really does a great job of like kind of like taking that down and of uh, confronting that head to head uh in in a very effective way that was a very good movie uh 31 32 tell me if you've heard this movie shimmer on yes i've heard of it uh but i don't know anything about it Shimmeron is a movie that starts in a very cool place it is set in Oklahoma when real life, this is a real thing that happened, was America had Oklahoma. We just kicked all the Native Americans out 
and stole their land and then were like, hey, we've got all this land that we don't know what to do with it. Who could live here? I don't know. The people that were living before. No, these are this is for white people. Sure. So let's <laughs> let's have set everybody up at the border and they blew a whistle and like shot a gun. And then everyone rushed into Oklahoma to literally stake out their land and they just gave it out to white people for free. Yeah. And anybody could go wild, wild, real thing that happened in real life. I feel like there've been a couple of films that are based on this concept. Uh, Cause I think I've definitely seen that happen in a film before. Definitely not this one, but yes. And that is the best part of this movie. It is, is like where it starts because then the, like the lead character is like, he's from like a wealthy family who just like, like I'm guessing people did at that time were just like, hey, they're just giving away money in Oklahoma. Let's go stake some out. So right. they just like sent this guy to Oklahoma to get some land for the family because they could make money off of it. And then it's just kind of like follows him for the rest of his life. And <laughs> the rest of it is very boring and melodramatic. Why wouldn't you? Let's do the most exciting thing first. And then watch yeah. him pay his taxes. That was basically it. The rest of it was just not great. Yeah. But then we get to 1932-33's The Grand Hotel. You know, you're entirely different from what I expected. Different? How? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought you were more of a coquette. Not so ladylike. The Grand Hotel what was very expect? good. The Like... The thing about the 1930s is that they were glamorous, you know? Um, and this movie really, it really like showcases the grandeur of the 1930s. And that has honestly watching all these is like just for the outfits alone, just for the styles alone, they have been worth it. That's great. The Grand Hotel like takes place in the Grand Hotel and there's like this main character uh, that kind of like says a couple times he's like the Grand Hotel like people come in people go out and nothing ever happens and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a funny beat yeah uh, but this is one where they really kind of use an ensemble cast um to showcase like a couple of mini dramas and to highlight people's lives. It has Greta Garbo who just like totally overacts the whole time. And I really did not like her performance in this, but the person that really comes through is Joan Crawford. And, and that has also been like super cool going through all these is like, you know, the name Greta Garbo. Yeah. And it, and you know, like Joan Crawford and kind of like these old Hollywood names, but I, I, you never really, or I had like maybe seen them in a one-off, but you don't get to like see them repeatedly until I was like doing this project right. and kind of like seeing their career and seeing how they go is very cool. Uh, the Grand Hotel was, was full of, it was funny. It had like bits of drama. It was, uh, it was just beautiful. And it was it was really good. That's awesome. Yeah, um, that I was looking at that lineup. That's a great cast. Uh, we got two Barrymores. Yeah, and I looked it up, and 
the the Barrymore that's in it is like the great. Uh, it's John Barrymore, and he's like the great uncle of Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's one that uh, out of this whole list, that's one that I'm this and another one are one I'm dying to see. Well, now the years have just lost to me. Thirty two, thirty three. Right, this is 33-34, so this is the last okay. time that they kind of, like, they did, like, the slash and kind right. of, like, gave it over. Next year, 1935, they it's just 1935. But 1933-34 okay. is the movie Cavalcade. Uh, it's pretty terrible. It is based on a Noel Coward play. I do like Noel Coward a lot. I have a couple of his albums. Do you know him? Um, I've heard the name. So he was just, like a stuffy British man that was very funny and he he was like kind of like a raconteur and uh uh he he made a couple of albums and he was a bit of like a, a comedian slash songwriter slash he made plays he was like hired by the British government in World War One to kind of like do pseudo British propaganda. So this movie Cavalcade is very British and it it it, it it is very much just like a Britain is a wonderful place to live, yeah. And uh, the people are excellent. And a lot of times, like in the 1930s, that comes with like um, some very real racism. And especially like in his songs, sure. are like the British are more sophisticated than everyone else, and everyone else right. is barbarians. Um, so this had a hint of that. And it's I also kind of, like I kind of expect that's peppered throughout a lot of these films. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. Um, so Cavalcade was boring. Don't suffer through it if you don't want to. Um, Nineteen thirty-five, though, we come on yeah. what I think is one of the best, one of the best, maybe two or three movies of the entire bunch. It happened one night. How do you expect to get to New York at the rate you're going? So what happened one night is kind of like, as far as I can tell, or in, in, you know, in these movies is kind of like the first romantic comedy. It is for sure a rom-com in the way that we haven't seen a rom-com before. And it is the first movie that is a Frank Capra production. And Frank Capra is a name that I did not know before doing this little project, but it is very much like... Frank Capra is kind of like the Judd Apatow of the 1930s. (laughs) That's interesting, yeah. Because he is like, all of his movies have a lighter tone to them. They're kind of funny. He's got like a cast of characters. This one stars Clark Gable. And uh, there's another one that has uh, Jimmy Stewart in it. And uh, they all like have these great characters from the time. They all are kind of like tight punchy comedies that also like have a bit of heart and are not are not like acutely artistic but they are artistic and beautiful but they are like kind of like broad dramas that have heart it just remind he just reminded me a lot of judd apatow or judd apatow reminds me a lot of him i guess um in the reverse but it happened one night was an excellent movie it is like two this man and this woman they kind of get like stuck together for a while and all of these movies are excruciatingly long. And so there's like a long time and a lot of the, like the romances in these movies are like man is mean to woman woman, like, and then she falls in love with him. 
Yeah, that hasn't changed. I feel like, I feel like a lot of the romances today are still that. It is it is astonishing that that is basically all of these movies are yeah. like man meets woman, man is mean to her, and then she's just like in love with him. And that's yeah. kind of like the story of this, like if he's mean to you, you, you have to be in love with him. Or like men, I don't know, can't be nice to to women but yeah, the dynamic is changed has changed for sure but th- there's still elements of that formula that still persist it'll be interesting to get to the 40s because there's some films in the 40s that do interesting versions of that uh where they kind of switch switch it around which is pretty progressive for the 40s yeah and he's not like mean to her the whole time i guess like they see it as like being hard to get or playing yeah. coy um you know which it has this place too, but it happened one night was an excellent movie. I was so happy with it. And I, I didn't really know it going in, but I was like, so happy. If you're going to see any of these movies, see it happened one night because that's, that's an excellent one. Yeah. That's great. Moving on to the uh, 35, 36, 36. Okay. I'm going to make an adjustment. Yes, 1936, and this is cool. Like where I watched, I watched the best picture of the 1970s, and I was like, "Wow, Dustin Hoffman was a force in the 70s in a way that I did not understand that he was a force, and was like the lead actor in all the best pictures of the 1970s. I mean, not all of them, but in like a handful of them. Clark Gable is that way in the 1930s. I yeah. like heard that name, and I I didn't really know him, but he is the head of. Uh, 1936's winner, Mutiny on the Bounty. Mutiny on the Bounty is set at sea. It is it is like a uh, it you know is a swashbuckling kind of like ad- adventure movie kind of of the sorts. It wasn't it wasn't incredible, but it had um, Clark Gable who was great. Yeah, Clark Gable is interesting because he persisted even up until the 60s like early 60s that's a long time to be wow uh, like a a headlining giant movie star in these he just is suave and charismatic you know he like he really is great he's got a very particular Um, voice doesn't he yes let's move on to 1937's the great zeg field From this humble beginning at the Chicago World's Fair developed Flo Ziegfeld, world's foremost star maker. Christopher, have you seen this movie? I've seen no movie with the word Ziegfeld in it. There's a couple of these where I was like, I've heard of All Quiet on the Western Front. I've heard of It Happened One Night. I've heard of Mutiny on the Bounty. I've heard of Gone with the Wind. Those are probably the good ones. All the other ones, I don't know, haven't really stood the test of time. There's some that I'm just like haven't been looking forward to. One of them was The Great Zegfield. I was wrong. The Great Zegfield is amazing. I was so stunned this entire movie. This movie is on drugs. Oh, <laughs> this. This movie is it is about the great Zegfield, who was a real life Broadway um, showman in like in its time in the 1920s. And um, this is like based on real plays of his that I did not know. And like you were saying at the beginning where it was like it's one of those big um, like 
Broadway show movies. Right. This is one of those where it just has there's entire sequences that are minutes long that are just of these stage productions. And the stage productions are some of the most grand, surreal pieces of stage production that I have ever seen. They are they are filled with so many people in so many costumes that are so elaborate and abstract and artistic and just mind-blowingly beautiful and ornate. Yeah. I I it was like stunning shot after stunning shot. Like just for example, there's like one they they, they bring you into one sequence and it is probably 30 women laying on 30 beds that are laid out on a stage and then they like all sequentially they do like the same moves like getting like getting out of this bed and then moving like moving forward together and then dogs are brought in and then they move (laughs) to this other part and like there are people in like devil costumes you bury the lead lead. why did we start with these dogs (laughs) Like dogs are part of the stage production. It was, it, it it was absolutely fantastical. It was like Fantasia in real life. Yeah, I've got some good news for you, Justin. You've yeah. got a few more movies to watch that are also gonna lose. You're gonna lose your mind because this spurned the whole series of uh, Zigfield films, Zigfield Follies. Uh, yeah, and Zigfield Girl. Uh, there's a lot of these movies that I I can only assume the success of the great Zigfield spurred. Uh, that's why I thought Broadway melody was one of those films, these no. elaborate visual. And then as you get into the forties and fifties, where the technology is better and these cranes are going everywhere, yeah. they are even more visually like unbelievable. So, Oh, th- this will be, we should do a whole thing on the Zigfield movies. For sure. It was like the Zigfield follies. Like that was, that was yeah. the whole thing that were just like, huge elaborate beautiful lavish productions i i mean it was on another level the great yeah, Zigfield, those are 1937. Really, really fun and amazing uh, amazing and so then in 1937 you got the great zigfield with a highlight 1938 you have the life of emile zola total low light on the list see that's interesting because that's one that i've had on my list to watch for a long time but you said not you didn't care for it it was do you know a lot about um, French courtroom filings? Uh, you know I do, Justin. Are, are you interested in watching court procedure in I France? Mean, is in the there 1930s? a whole sequence on contract law? Because then I am your man. There might have been, but I was zoned out for most of it. This movie is about the life of Emile Zola, who is a writer who um, wrote a ton of books and who I had never even clocked as an author or a person that i've read yeah that's the only reason i'm interested in it is because i do i do like emile zola i've only read a little bit of emile zola but i'm interested more to know more about him well it was like so he is an author at this time and it the like the timing of this movie is really weird the like pacing is strange and then like this guy gets kind of like wrongly arrested but what they don't say in the movie is that um, cause I, I read about it in real life because it was just like so bizarre and boring that I thought that it couldn't be real. Um, <laughs> but and, bizarre and boring, <laughs> it was just bizarre that this would be made into a movie cause it was just so boring. All right. Um, 
and in real life, he was falsely arrested because he was Jewish and there was anti-Semitism. And this movie just totally ignores that. It just totally plays around the fact that, you know, this man was wrongly accused because he was Jewish. Um, and so it like, without that sense of like injustice, it just like, it, it just like loses all of it. It was just like so boring. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and then 1939 is you can't take it with you. This is the second movie from Frank Capra. It is, um, like about a family, a family of weirdos that, that like exist kind of like outside of social norms and uh, like the Adams um, like family a, is it like the Adams like the family? Ad- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> then they like kind of like because they are so weird and strange, they can kind of like comment on um the like existence of daily life for people at that time. And so it's like it's a good like rhetorical tool to be like, hey, they kind of like live outside of our existence so they can comment on it. And uh, um that makes the movie very funny. And it like shows that like you can't take it with you is like is talking about money. And there's like a bunch of people are like, you know, you need to do this to be happy. You need to make money. Money is what makes us happy. Money is what makes the world go round. And kind of like the sentiment of the whole movie is like, you can't take money with you. It's family. It's love. And it was like, and it, they do it in a very funny way. Jimmy Stewart is in it. You can't take it with you. It's the second one from Frank, Frank Capra. If, if you're taking anything out of this, see it happened one night and you can't take it with you. All the Frank Capra joints, they were just so good. It sounds like that's a theme in a lot of his movies. The the money and versus family because uh, It's a Wonderful Life is essentially has a lot totally. to do with that. Yeah. Yes. Um. And we didn't even mention that. Like, I didn't even know that going in. I was like, okay, who's this dude? Frank Capper like made these two great movies, and then he did It's a Wonderful Life too, which I, yeah. I didn't know. Um. And then to cap it off, uh, the movie that won the award in 1940, so it's technically 1940, but it was made in 1939. So let's talk about it. It's also just so different from everything else. Gone with the wind. Don't you want to marry me? I'm going to marry Melanie. But you can't, not if you care for me. Oh, my dear, why must you make me say things that will hurt you? How can I make you understand? You're so young and unthinking, you don't know what marriage means. I know I love you and I want to be your wife. You don't love Melanie. She's like me, Scarlett. She's part of my blood and we understand each other. But you love me. Now, that's the one that everyone is supposed to have seen, and no one I know who has actually sat down and watched it. You know why you haven't seen it? Why? Because it's four hours long. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was a kid saying there was two video cassettes that came with it, and I thought, I'm going to pass on that. It is four hours long. It is so excruciatingly long. But it is good. Um, but like the thing that sets Gone with the Wind apart from everything else before it and after is that Gone with the Wind is in color. I don't care for it. I don't think it's going to last. I think it's a fad. 
<laughs> all the movies before it were in black and white. And I have watched like the first four movies of the 1940s and they are all in black and white too. And Gone with the Wind just sticks out like a sore thumb. I, I could not believe after like watching these in succession and just being like drowned in black and white movies, which like I love black and white movies. There is such a romance about movies that are in black and white. It, I like oftentimes like I prefer it to color. I love Roma. Okay, Polly. Do you know this? I don't. I've never heard of the film, and I've what I've heard about it is that it's terrible. Roma is a fantastic movie that you should watch, and they <laughs> made the decision to make it in black and white. And there's something about black and white. But after you've been watching black and white movies for 14 days in a row, to see one that is in color was absolutely astonishing. It was so you feel really like you got the the you you know what the people of the 30s felt. I know <laughs> what they felt. <laughs> because like seeing it in color was just so awe striking and they really use the colors to the, to their advantage. The, you know, the lead in it, she wears uh, her like emerald green is like the color that she wears kind of like in every dress and the dresses are fantastic and the costumes are amazing. And uh, it just like really comes through. This is uh, Clark Gables in this one. Again, he's the lead. Uh, you finally see him in color. He's just as beautiful in color. Um, and it's really like, and the score is great without, if this movie was in black and white and it didn't have the score, it would be probably pretty boring because it's four hours long. Um, it, it, but the things that really make this movie come through are that it it is in color and the score is incredible. The story is good. Um, it could do probably without two hours of it, but uh, Gone with the Wind was good. That's it. That's one of those films that I've not seen like Titanic. And I, I just don't want to, I just, I want to be, I want to get to the end of my life and saying, I'm fine with not having seen wow. that movie, but good, good on you. It's hard to say. I do like to complete a list. So the list that you're doing here <laughs> is something that does appeal to me. So now I might be switching my, switching my view. That is very much my driver for this whole thing is just like, we're in quarantine and I like having a project. Yeah. I like, ha I like having a thing, something that's big and going to take time and that I'm looking forward to doing. And that I am like, I've got to squeeze it in the day. It's like making time go fast. Cause I'm like, how do I, okay, I've got to like go on a walk. I've got to like, right. I've got to work and I've got to like watch this movie. It's really like, it's really been a great project for uh, an indefinite quarantine. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. And I, I think here's an interesting thing. Maybe we should encourage listeners to start right now. If you want, if you're interested in this project and you need time to kill start in on the forties, because we're going to talk about the forties soon. I would imagine maybe in the next, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. Maybe in the next two, three weeks. Yeah, I could do like we should probably do something different next week. Yeah, yeah. next week, not like next week. But I would say every if listeners, if you are interested, start watching the Academy Award winning films of the '40s because I also want to get in on this. I want to start watching more of these. I pro I don't know that Hell I'll yeah. be as diligent as you are, but I definitely want to dig in. Um, and then we'll talk about it again. And so it'll be fun if you've listened, uh, watched some of these movies. To then we can all kind of have a chat about it. Hell yeah. It's a great time to come in. 1941 is Rebecca, uh, directed by Hitchcock. It is very, very good. I saw that um, in in a 
English class, I think, in high school. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's very good. Uh, yeah. Come in. We're going to be kind of like checking back in on this uh, periodically. Yeah. And it has been really fun. I mean, like, honestly, it's so cool to see, like, the trends and the costumes and the, like, the way of life and the way that people acted. Just the whole thing is just, like, a really great um, look into primary source documents of what it was like to be in the 1930s, you know? Yeah, I think it's a great one. I think we'll continue to do it. Even... uh, Post quarantine, I think this is still a really fun thing to to dig in on. Right on. So next week, I think we'll talk about a a film, a specific film, um, yeah. and we'll talk. We'll figure that one out soon. But do we have anything else we want to talk about before we go? Uh, what are you watching, Kate Polly? This has been so much of me talking. Oh well, that's all right. I revisited um, Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage the other night. <laughs> I've probably seen this movie like ten times now. Um, how how was it? How were the freakouts? So good. It, it's really one of the top Nicolas Cagey movies that he's made. Like where he's just this over the top, ex- just bananas character. Um, and it's generally a film about a man who believes he's turning into a vampire for no particular reason. Um. And he's an awful kind of this awful publisher character. And he has the weirdest accent. I think at the time he said it's a yuppie accent, which is the eighties. So yuppies were a thing. Right. Um, And then there's a famous scene in it where he eats, he actually eats a cockroach. um, And that was like a big deal at the time. Everyone talked about that. But beyond that, it's a very absurd, absurd, like horror comedy. It's more comedy than horror. And, the comedy is mostly just his performance. So if you're a weirdo, I highly recommend this movie. <laughs> That's like Nick Cage, like really did it like no one else has done it. You know? Yeah. That, that is like a one of a kind hit. Like whatever he's got going there is one of a kind. I feel like his career is mostly like, what can I get away with? And still <laughs> continually get paid an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, I've been I've been uh, oh I've been watching that I've been reading a book called Bubblegum that I just want to shout out this author Adam Levin who wrote this massive book called The Instructions about ten years ago which is one of my favorite books uh, that I've read in you know a recent like a contemporary book and uh, he hasn't written a book in about a decade and this one came out it's just as huge it's like an 800 page book called bubblegum and when it arrived at my house i'm like does this is it my imagination or does this book smell like bubblegum and in what? fact it does it does and other people were posting like this book comes smelling like bubblegum that um, is wild despite the title it's a very intricate interesting really well and written book uh, i'm only like a couple hundred pages into it so um more on that later only a couple hundred pages i mean it's yeah it's like a so long but it's worth it it goes by quickly because it's just it pulls you in thanks for listening everybody cinebuds is uh produced by dj kenny perez we get handcrafted sound capades what do we get um, handcrafted sonic inspiration. <laughs> I want to suggest you take soundscapades uh, and change it. But 
For now, we had handcrafted Sonic Inspirations from the License Lab. Thank you, License Lab. Thank you, License Lab. And you can take that phrase I gave you. No problem. That's free. <laughs> um, we also get support. Uh, oh, our theme song is by Brett Newski. The News. Thank you. Uh, it was uh, poorly represented by us today, but uh, we'll have it back. And uh, we could not do this without the love and support from our members from 88.9 and from Milwaukee Film. Thank you so much. We would not be here without you. And then finally, we would like to thank one more person, someone from, for whom we could not do this show without. Who's that? Uh, it's Christopher Paula. That's me. Oh, thank you, Christopher. Yeah, I because usually you do it, and I just I, I just want to make sure we got that in there because it's important. I think it's the most important part of the show. It absolutely is. We, you know, we couldn't do it without K-Poly. And that's it. Those are the only people we have to thank. So, and, and everybody who listened, thank you so much, and uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>